Morning, one last morning in the mountains then, before uh, tomorrow morning we wake in Rome, which seems like a distant prospect. Uh, I started to feel like I had a real temperature last night, which is a bit worrying. <clears throat> Don't feel 100% this morning. Um, and spent a lot of the night consciously, because when I was awake, and unconsciously um, worrying about whether or not I was even going to be able to work today and commentate on the ridiculous individual time trial that the riders face today. Um, <clears throat> but as you can tell, I have a semi-functioning voice. I have a, a broadcast partner in Matt Stevens. I have no dreams that need interpreting by David Miller. I have a view once again of blue skies, fruit trees, meadows, obviously a road uh, not too far away, along which massive lorries are thundering, slightly spoiling the acoustics, birdsong, dolomites, and woods. And uh, somewhere up in those dolomites is a tiny... A uh, farm track that has rutted tarmacs and drains running across it and uh, steep gradients all the way to the top, uh, which Mauro Veni has decided to make the riders race up one by one. Well... That was amazing. So this is like the third or fourth Slovenian cycling fan in the space of the last 20 minutes who stopped you. In picture of delight on their face. But this time it was even different. It's a family and the mother, assuming it's a mother, spotted you walking past and went, is that, <laughs> is that the real Stevens? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah. quite, uh, quite, yeah, quite your, interesting. your internet it? handle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. That's really nice, isn't it? But well, it's um, nice for you because we're just discussing, you know, when inevitably things... I don't know, dry up. Yeah, Why when, the emails, yeah. when the phone call stopped, when, when, we, when you don't get that email from Basso, um, Andre Basso said, we don't yeah. need any more. And it's, well, yeah, I could, there is a chance this is our last yeah. Giro, that's I for think, sure. But I, um, I think uh, the bottom line, um, pretty solid off-season club dinner scene yeah. uh, in Slovenia. <laughs> I think I'd be all right. Mate, I think, well, we're talking about, I potentially, I don't know how this might work, but you know, you'd have to learn Slovenian, I think. Yeah. A little, a little bit of it, but I think bit. when Rogler, finally hangs up his cleats um, and gets into that sort of hiking persona. I think you and him could do Rambling with Rogler, a TV show on um, mainstream Slovenian TV. I think we've got to bring you in and maybe do, I think all three of us could sort something out. I mean, um, I don't know. I don't want to encroach on your space. You basically own Slovenia. Well, as far as I can well, no, it, I feel it's quite, 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 yeah, quite uh, unexpected to be honest with you. <laughs> It's such a small, I mean, it was just a tiny, just a little cafe and just, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. It, it's no, nice. it's really nice, really it's nice. nice. And, and they're in a good, and it's great, isn't it? Because really we're basically, nature. we're really, really close. I hadn't realised quite how close we are to the Slovenian border here. Um, we're very close. And, um, and I think it's going to be a spectacle because I think 90%, 80% of the, the punters on the, on the mountain um, are going to be... Slovenian, oh, without a doubt, Roglic, Roglic tastic. Without it? a doubt, it's getting really busy. There's a little uh, cafe that we sat to do our prep and our commentary booth. For want of a better word, it's essentially a, a shipping container. Um, it's boiling hot. It's about 30 degrees. I spoke to one of the technicians. They said, "Yeah, it's about 30 degrees in here." Um, so we're going to have to keep the door open. But it, that's <laughs> that's right next to the. Uh, ski lift which is in turn next to a nice cafe so because the race is in phases thank goodness we're going to be able to hop out every hour and a half 45 minutes and just cool down I think yeah uh, but but no it's um 
lovely date. We should explain, I mean, I don't know if this is of interest to people, but the technicalities of the massive distance between where we are now, top right-hand corner of it. I think it's worth putting into a bit of context and definitely explaining. So the the, the race was due to finish, I mean, stage 21 was going to be in Trieste. Um, And and that's only about an hour and a half from where we are now, to the south. Um, That was the original plan. And then Rome... Which makes sense. Which makes sense. Yeah. And then Rome, after a prolonged absence, I mean, what is it now, six, seven years since... um, 2018. So you five year, five years since the race finished in Rome, yeah. Um, Rome suddenly came in with a late bid, uh, and, and basically said to RCS, "No, we want the race back." And RCS are not in a position to go. Um, well, no, you, you may be the capital city of um, Italy, but we're going to finish the race in Trieste, and we understand it's a multi-year kind of arrangement now. Yeah, so yeah. I think for the for forthcoming forthcomes of of, of, the, of the time in, in the immediate future. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully before the TV series in, in Slovenia we've got that yeah. gig the Rome maybe the, the Rome tenure we, we might be locked in for that's something yeah. we might have to negotiate after possibly with Rome yeah. we might have to come in a bit low Ned as well yeah. just to secure it but <laughs> bear that in mind yeah, we'll chip uh, away at our reg- yeah, we'll have to yeah, undercut our own expectations yeah. <laughs> um, and maybe at home just operate a few labour um, financial cost saving you know, but yeah, uh, trim a bit of the fat off, mate. Trim, yeah. Yeah, the fat off. The margins are going to be narrower, but yeah. it's all about. It's, all right. it's just about quantity, isn't it? Rogler. Rogler. Someone spread yeah. Rogler on the. We're actually. Um, I'll complete the thought about Rome because yeah. it is quite interesting. But we're just to say we are walking next to. I mean, obviously the inevitable sort of Italian autostrada, just battering through this beautiful valley. That's with the probably the cars you can hear at the side. But actually, we're walking on this beautifully brand new surfaced oh, bike bike track. Um, that's the part of the course yeah. of today's race. Uh, I can't remember. There is a, obviously this bike track has a name, but it, it, it's like a mini. It's like a kids' road. I, I, I love it because it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like that stuff that kids laid out on their on the carpet in their in their bedrooms to run their cars up and down yeah. their toy cars. It's like yeah, that. it does feel like that. And we are joints. Yeah, it hasn't got any joints. No, it's, it's like an all in just rolled it. looks like they just rolled, rolled it, it out. out. Yeah, like a big uh, road carpet. And it just distance about 150 metres and just up ahead, it just twists round to left. Already the road is gently rising. So we've just gone through the, the first checkpoint, haven't we? That's right. We yeah. can walk through the first checkpoint right. where the road just starts to kick up. Around the corner, I don't know how far we're going to walk, to be honest, but around the corner, it's going to start violently kicking up, isn't it? I, th- I should think. It will. We've probably got time just to maybe. See, see, some see some of the lower slopes. What we could actually do, because we're slightly in the shade, is maybe just pick up the pace slightly. Neither of us have yeah. sported. Yeah. And I think if we just pick pick it up, right, like we just picked up the pace slightly, because we've got quite a lot under the hood, haven't we? Yeah. Um, and you're, you're not, and you're not, you weren't, basically, you got my illness, didn't you? We I did. Think. But yeah, now, overnight, I was very ill, woke up this morning moderately ill, but Massey gave me one of his horse tranquilizers. Well, he gave one to me, and I gave it to you out yeah. of my bag. Yes, one exactly, left. Exactly, one left. A vast and thing, I think you said. When you took one the other day, I think you said you had to, basically you had to chop it up into a dog bowl with some dog, dog food. <laughs> I mean, now I see what you mean. I, I, I basically, yeah, I got forced it into a piece of soft cheese <laughs> and, then, and then ate it that way. But, but I'm uh, slightly high. Yeah, you're, it's, it, it's it a very effective treatment. Yeah, we, we were sat just doing our prep and, and I, you'd had it about 45 minutes ago, well, yeah. maybe an hour ago now. But it's now and kicking then, in. And then like, you're like, your eyes just went like it was like it's like a it was like a deleted scene from Train Spotting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, suddenly, I can see the world differently. Watch oh, out! Oh, here we go. DSM. DSM. Yeah. Yep. Ah, see an acknowledgement of again. Yeah. Her, of, of who we are. Yeah. Uh, wonderful scenes, uh, or small scene. Yeah. Uh, tiny vignette. Um, Rome. Yeah. So, so the, it's, tomorrow we have to get. Or tonight we all have to get to Rome. Um, we're flying on a charter flight. We pro- probably won't arrive till very late. But 
the, the, the huge collection of trucks which have been broadcasting the Giro d'Italia day after day after day, they can't leave here and get to Rome in time for tomorrow's Wait, race. Yeah. It just can't happen. It's too, and, and also to, to rig the whole compound and everything. So the entire units of broadcasting trucks that have taken us all the way around the Giro to stage 19, to Trecimi uh, di Lavareno, Lavaredo, 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 Lavaredo. Thank you. Yep. Um, so yesterday, it's already been erased from the hard drive. They then de-rigged at the top of the mountain, and they overnight and during the day today they are on their way to Rome. Someone's got to broadcast the time trial. Yep. So an entire other outside broadcast has arrived in Italy. So totally unfamiliar trucks, and that's why our regular commentary position. We're not in it today, um, which is why we're in this sort of blue. We're going to be in this blue. It's a it's a basically it's a shipping container with windows and some plug sockets. That's pretty much it. <laughs> that's, yes. right. that's pretty. And a little bit of there's a few. Did you notice the egg boxes on the wall for soundproofing? Is that what the, well, the, yeah, they've got a few egg boxes. Yeah. Uh, but oh, the road's just slightly picking up over a little bridge here as we as we continue up the climb. But yeah, it, it's uh, just to put it in a little bit of geographical perspective as well. It's about 800 kilometres distance, isn't it, between uh, yeah. where we are now and Rome? Hence the requirement. Um, yeah, there's no way it could do it and it actually has I think it, even for the Giro standards which, and they, they, they are quite bold in relation to some of the things that they do where the Giro goes I think it's there's not a lot of slack built into that I'm sure it's going to be fine the weather's on our side today again for once which is fan- fantastic for the riders but we're walking up the course and the reason that it's in phases is because they're going to be coming back down again and then starting all again in these waves of 45 so there's it's, it's to there's no there's circuit, they like can't this. get round yeah. because they can't come back down. So it's, um, yeah, it's a highly unusual individual time trial. It's borderline freak show. Uh, I, think, I, think, um, I, think it's border, I think it's borderline circusy. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a big test, but the slopes are that steep. You, you'll be doing well just to get up and finish rather than actually, and that's the time you're given. Well, to get your, your body weight and your bike up the hill is basically your time. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. that's basically it for a lot of the earlier starters as well. So... We're looking at 45, yeah. maybe 45 minutes for this time trial, something yeah. like that. But um, mm. Tavizio itself, only 4,000 souls, tiny little place, very beautiful. I went for a walk this morning while you were just having your breakfast and doing some voiceover stuff. And for about half an hour, three quarters of an hour, I found a, a little cemetery. And um, what was striking about the cemetery, I do like walking around cemeteries. Doesn't that make them so morbid? But they're just, they give you a sense of what the place is and has been. And what's really striking about Tavizio, which is otherwise known as Zeinlitz, I think. So it's got a very Germanic name. There's almost every name in the cemetery and every name on the houses because they have a habit here of putting the names of the family that lives in the house on display, you know, in right, the, okay. in the, in, outside the house. Um, every name was either of uh, Slavic origin in the minority or more predominantly a German origin name. So right. er, the Ehrlich family, the Rosenwitz family, um, uh, very, very few what you, you consider to be Latin Italian names uh, represented here. So even though the folk here speak predominantly Italian, I think there's a degree of bilinguality. And it is, it's just we're, we're so close to the Slovenian border. Slovenia, like lots of the Balkans, was the front line for centuries with the advancing Ottoman Empire, who came you know, as far as Bosnia, Herzegovina, and so for if you go into the Balkans from here over the border into what used to be Yugoslavia within a, within a few hundred kilometres you're into that kind of disputed territory between the Austro-Hungarian Empire and the Ottoman Empire 
Um, but here you have this kind of like, this was all part of Austro-Hungary. The architecture is Austrian, the names are Austrian. Yeah, and it's incredible, isn't it? Because well over a hundred years have passed since that is no longer the case. But, you know, the residual kind of, what's left behind after hundreds of years of history still peacefully nowadays, thank, thank heavens, just kind of persists. And it's culturally very different. And it's um, deeply, I find it deeply fascinating, quite moving that we are here for a bike race, and that, you know, all these years of history have kind of like, at least here and now, just dissolved and, yeah. and, and, and you know, and this, this, this great champion from Slovenia, this wonderful bike rider, Primoz Roglic, is going to have this amazing support He's going to today. be carried by, by noise, he's going to be carried by, well, they're, everybody that we've met, um, a few of whom we've recognised have said, who are you going to, who are supporting? And, and, um, I'm just supporting the best rider, really. I I mean, think, but that's bike racing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And um, yeah, I, we, no we know Geraint more than we know Roglic, and, and we both get on with him. But um, it's just, it is going to be simply down to who's the strongest today. But Geraint's got that buffer. But yeah, he's on, he's on home turf. And interestingly, a, a chap came and had a uh, little conversation with us while we are having a brew. And, um, and you asked Ned, well, where's Primoz from? Is it quite local? And the chap's away. He's about to live 250k away. But significantly, um, when he was back to the ski jump a professional ski jumper he's has there's a, a world cup yeah there's a world cup um ski jumping <coughs> in this location where he would have jumped and now he won it and, and he won it and, and now he's vying for a giro win in it pretty well exactly the same location um so there's a yeah there's a strange uh, circular yeah circularity to that isn't it or a, that's not the right word you know what i mean don't you um, yeah but uh, he's gonna come be, full circle for him. yeah it, yeah it's gonna be so we're co coming we're walking under the motorway bridge now and we're still on this lovely bike track and every single name that's been sprayed on the side of the road on this on the pillars that support the motorway bridge it's just roglic isn't it primos primos rogla 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 and we're in italy rogla yeah it's uh will that be enough though because yeah. we're talking about like and, and Geraint will know that, that Roglic is going to have this sort of support. But I'm sure, because of the, the nature of the crowd, Geraint won't get booed. They will support oh. him as well. There's a, yeah. there's a lovely, although they've clearly got their favourite, there's, there's a real joy. You can sense the joy already, can't you? I can't wait to see oh, the Primoz. Primoz. Primoz wins today. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, okay. yes. That was what you call a vox pop. Yeah, just it was conducted a, a vox pop. Really, pop. really, really uh, short vox pop, yeah. wasn't it? But, um, well, yes, yes, yes. It's quite emphatic. Yeah. Um, um, we're, I think this is quite. Yeah, we might have to just. Should we just turn around at that bit down there. We're not going to see the bit, steep bit. No, oh, we're, we're not. In, in danger of missing down. our commentary start. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, walking ourselves into a, a, yeah, some sort of strange alpine cul-de-sac. Well, hello and welcome. Today is the final violent sting in the tail of a beautiful, brutal race across Italy. A Roman road leading through a wooded valley, followed by a 10-kilometre ascent to Monte Lussari, whose severe sustained gradients are, frankly, unprecedented in a Grand Tour time trial. For the riders, and for the riders, the race itself, this is uncharted territory. <laughs> Rome is tomorrow. Um, Today, 
I forgot to record the commentary, man. I did the I did the opening, which I slightly fumbled my lines on as well because I'm tired. But I, in all my excitement, there was too much going on in the time trial. I forgot to record the commentary. So for the benefit of those who don't know what happened in the individual time trial, uh, this is what happened. Um, uh, What's his name? Thomas Champion did a really good time. And before that, uh, Thibaut Gernalek from Arkea Samsung, who none of us really knew, was in the bike race, uh, posted a really good time. Bested by Thomas Champignon, who departed the scene when... You just call him Cha- Champignon. Champignon. <laughs> Champignon. Champignon. <laughs> did that, did that, did that, Tommy, Tom, Tommy Mushroom. Sorry. <laughs> Talking to which, we've got the Grupama FTJ, um, we've got one of their team cars, haven't we? They did that, that little sign with the fingers when they went past us then, you know. They swore at us like, we, you know, in, in, when we give somebody the V's the, one of the blokes in the passenger seat did the V's but in French what? and it means no it means nice hey oh, guys it yeah. means that one oh, yeah. so that means that yeah. Well, yeah. you couldn't see that on no. the pod could you yeah he was but, giving it the up yours classic up yours from the 70s up yours mate yeah and then but you reversed it V for victory and Winston yeah. Churchill so it was like hey guys they clearly well not say they clearly recognise it was a wealthy they clearly recognise Ned who's in full I mean, celebratory, Giro d'Italia regalia. It's so, oh, I don't think I've mentioned the pod when, when Ned first cracked it. It was a cold day the other day on top, on top of one of the numerous mountaintop finishes. And I, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. It was Chimi, wasn't it? Was it? Is that how? Yeah. Blimey. Yeah, because you'd gone. You'd oh, gone you texted to, me. You'd gone up to the loo. <laughs> Should, probably shouldn't talk about that. I went to the toilet. Yeah, but you paid a euro for some stuff. I paid a euro, and I think I've still got the ticket, and it's quite funny. The bloke was quite strange, uh, and he went to the toilet, and I thought, well, I need to go, I need to, go to the loo. Um, opened the door of the, of the cubicle, and it was one of those old-fashioned toilets, just a hole in the ground for a euro. I thought, at least give me a, a seat. Um, <laughs> and because you've got to do the crouching thing and all that, and then you've got to, I mean, I'm still reasonably strong for my age, but you're doing the crouch. It was quite shiny, the floor, a bit slippery. You've got the grippy things where your feet are, but then I had to put my hand on the back wall, which was tiled, but it was covered in condensation, so my hand was sliding around. <laughs> and then I had to obviously do what needs to do. So that, I mean, flipping it, I deserve to be paid a euro, not pay them a euro for that. But anyway, I came back, checked my te- I got my phone, checked my text, and it's Ned. Um, Matt, I need the, I'm cold, I need the, ki- the car keys. And then five minutes later, all it was, it was quiet. It was quiet, actually quite passive-aggressive actually there's just a question mark it wasn't, uh, it wasn't five minutes later it was, it was no, 20 minutes was later. it yeah. I think it was seven, it was well, seven. Was we were quite close to one air weren't we? we were 10 minutes to one air and the car was like three minutes four minutes away so it was nip and tuck but you said no you've got plenty of time came out of the car keys and I, but so I ran back to the car and it was quite chilly at the top of that mountain I mean it's when the sun was out it was fine but as soon as the sun goes it really 2300 meters um, but I went back to the car and rather than open my um, big suitcase with all that mostly slightly dirty clothes in it now because we're nearly at the end um, I actually grabbed and they've been sitting on our back seat for a couple of weeks now one of the packets of Giro branded clothing and I went right t- pulling the emergency cord I'm going to wear a bit of Giro and so I've actually quite embraced it now he's looking quite good I can see you walking going down the pub going to see Ian our mate at the pub uh, and I think you'd get quite a few admiring glances in Lewisham, in Lewisham. and Lewisham I think yeah. love it. back I'll <laughs> oh, check in the phones. Um, that's but sorry, we've just gone past the um, Groupama FTJ team car for the other, for the fifth time. Yeah. yeah, we're on our way to Trieste Airport. So Thomas Champion uh, set the best time, and I think the next person to dethrone uh, the mighty Champion, who's won the uh, Fuga Prize, hasn't he, yeah, for yeah. the uh, overall breakaway ness? Yeah, the most breakaway kilometres accumulated yeah. uh, in breakaways of 
uh, up to 10, under 10 people, uh, over 5Ks away. Uh, by 100Ks or something? It's, it's a big, big win, isn't it? Big margin. Yeah, and he's also done, he's done I think, more speaking to the, uh, uh, the, the motor pilots uh, banter in the peloton than anyone else. I yeah. think uh, probably Lawrence Rex might come second in that particular competition, but I like that right. I like the champion. Anyway, he didn't win the individual time trial because I think the next, I think I'm right in saying the next rider to go faster than him by a massive distance was young Matthew Riccatello, um, just three days short of his 12th birthday. It was, yeah, an amazing, amazing ride. Uh, and he went into the first phase of the riders with a 156 lead, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, that was the end of the that was the end of the first batch because we had these three batches. So he spanned. He had a he had quite a prolonged spell in the hot seat because, uh, yeah. And it was, what was quite sweet was when the second batch was underway and some riders started to threaten and then indeed take his uh, his hot seat from him. Um, at one point, I think it was McNulty was on the road and going faster than him, and. Uh, they did that split screen thing and they had McNulty on the left and Riccatello in the hot seat just eating a bit of pasta recovery food spooning it in and it, they, he obviously just saw himself on the telly for the first time and his look of because he's only 12 and his look of um, kind of like bewilderment delight and alarm at seeing himself on the telly was was wonderful it, it was like a, a puppy seeing himself in the mirror for the first time wasn't it or yeah. a cat seeing themselves in the mirror without jumping like a helicopter just like point looking at the screen it was quite touching actually he's got and he's He's a very young-looking 12 as well, isn't he? So he looks about eight. Yeah, yeah he's some talent, though. But he yeah, got... He is. He's, that was a great ride. And then all of a sudden, it all went American. Um, really American? Really American. So we had Will Barto, who just faded a little bit, but he was just kind of top ten. We had Brandon Minolte, who smashed um, yeah. uh, Riccatello's time. And, and like that looked like a potentially race-winning time as well, because he was brilliant. Real negative split. Unlike his teammate, Jay Vine, who did a real positive split and then kind of blew up a little bit on the climb. Um, but then... McNulty's time was beaten by two seconds by Seb Kuss, man. So Seb Kuss uh, uh, went under the hot seat, and then it all got a bit GC-ish. So we had basically we had first at that point we had first, second, and fourth all young, all Americans under twenty, under twenty-five. Yeah, and I I, I believe that Chloe Digert uh, won a, a a stage of the Ride London Classic. Yeah, which I think is organised. It's not. Is that a Mick event? No, it used to be. Ah. I, think I think it's organised by the London Marathon people. I might be wrong. Oh, I know that. I know. Now I'm not going to get into into uh, race organisers politics, but I do know. Yeah, it's a shame that Mick's not involved in that one. But yeah, that's. I did see that. Um, yeah. yeah, she won a big bunch sprint ahead of um, Lizzie, who finished in second place. Was it Lizzie? I, I, I saw yeah. the picture as a trek rider. I didn't know if it was a Bongo uh, bon, Bongo Borghini. <laughs> Longer Borghini, <laughs> but it looked. Lisa Balsa- Balsamo crashed or something. I don't know. That was maybe yesterday. Anyway, oh, yeah. I won't talk about a race. I'm not f- fully up to speed, but I'm, yeah. I'm pretty confident Chloe Diget. We're talking about Americans, and that might be Chloe Diget's first win, possibly since she had that horrible accident. It is, yeah. it, and it's um, it's her first win since she won the World Championships, uh, and it's her first road win in, on European soil, and it's the first World Tour win for Canyon Shram this year. Boom! Stats just straight off the top of your head. And have I got pro cycling stats open? No, no, no. Just knowledge. Yeah. Um, so Sepp Chris on the hot seat. Then it all got a bit GC-ish, right? So then, who takes Chris's time? Caddles or no? Pino. Pino. Rewarding uh, climb from Pino. It was. It was a. I did say vintage Pino. Um, it fell on deaf ears. But no, it was a cracking. Two seconds, wasn't it? Two seconds. It'd be Crusoe by. Oh, that wasn't your only dad joke today, was it? What was the next one? It's quite a good one, well, though. Jumping forward, oh, yeah. we were doing the podiums, <laughs> and uh, you said it was such a weary dad joke as well. You said we were looking at Jonathan Milan on the podium. 
they call Johnny, 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 Johnny Milan. And what did you say? Uh, tomorrow it could be Johnny Rome. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then uh, yeah. producer Jess just keyed through dad joke, quite dismissively. Um, yeah. But we're jumping ahead of ourselves to the yeah, Malia so Chiclamino. So rewind. Pino, fully pinoed up, big shoulders, jaw, gaping, slightly unshaven, open mouth, yeah. gold fishing, side to side, looking all Pino-ish, but like a boxer. He's like, like an eel, like an eel, like an eel if an eel was a boxer. If an eel had a sparring partner in yeah. a boxing ring and was French on a bicycle in Italy, yeah. close to the Slovenian border, yeah. on a time trial, he looked like Pino if he was in, in a blue t-shirt year, in yeah. the last year of his sporting career. Yeah. And, and that ride ultimately yeah, in a blue t-shirt. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the pitch now. We should pop that through chat, chat GPT and see what it looks like. Uh, yeah, an eel-like looking like, yeah, anyway. Uh, that ultimately got in the lead briefly, um, but not for long. Because Damiana Caruso cruised up the... the oh, you should have <laughs> used that! It was like a cruise missile. A little bit, nu- <laughs> little bit nuclear, a little bit nuclear, but... Yeah. We lived under the shadow of nuclear war for yeah. long enough, but um, no, yeah. but Caruso. But but it was it was all the all the all the older chaps, wasn't it? The, the lads who had been in their early thirties. Yeah. Well, Pino's thirty-two, Caruso thirty-six. Big lads as well. Um, Geraint, you know, thirty-seven. Blimey! Yeah. Uh, but there was yeah, it was <coughs> a spectacle of that climb though. I mean, it's worth just dwelling a little bit about our, our friend Massey was at the top. We were at the bottom of the climb, weren't we? In this. Well, we've already explained it earlier in the pod, in, a, in essentially a, a metal box, um, which wasn't overly exciting. Uh, we're, we're hemmed in. Yeah. Well, except for when, um, during batch one, suddenly in my peripheral vision, a banana appeared, obscuring oh, your notes. This is another little Alan side note, isn't it? So, so that, let's talk about this. Yeah. So I, we were sat there. It was phase one, wasn't it? Phase yeah, one, batch one. Batch one, batch one of the riders. Uh, Riccatello, I think, was in the hot seat at that point. Um, I'm just minding my own business. Do, do, do I get paid to do really? And I don't. And I don't. What I don't do when I work is bother anybody else or affect their work. Next thing you know, there's a banana. Yes, a, a, a well, a yellow banana, um, quite ripe, good enough to eat, placed on my notes on my map. Okay, um, and I thought it was one of the quite nice, likable um, technicians who stand with us and just giving us a bit of lunch. And I thought, well, I don't really want a banana. But anyway, before I could even process that, uh, I would have been polite. It was removed, and I saw that, and I looked round, and it was Alan Jet with bearing fruit, bearing fruit. In unexpected circumstances. Anyway, took the banana off me. Didn't like a. He mimed a laugh, like oh, 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 like but in Italian one, because obviously I, I had my headphones on. What? So he mimed a laugh, and then pointed to you, and and did, and sort of went. He's a good lad, isn't he? That one, but mimed it in Italian. Pointed to you, and then promptly peeled the banana in front of me and ate it. Whilst looking, whilst looking me directly in the eyes. Sure, this wasn't a dream. No, he, he, he peeled the, took the banana, looked, at, did, did the laugh, pointed to you, did like, hey, uh, he's a good lad kind of vibe. Ate the banana, chewed it in front of me, just promptly walked out. Alan Jet. That's extraordinary. I later saw him in between batch two and batch three, sunning himself in a deck chair outside our commentary position which we, is co- we, we copied his position didn't we just a line there he was, was on the, he was on the he didn't quite carry it off with no, of course we didn't we're not Alan are we Isn't it? nobody can be Alan apart from Alan but, um, so that was phase one yeah so so um, Caruso yeah. uh, took Pino's time and I think they were they finished one after the other didn't they so the P- did. Pino was barely on the well, way didn't even make it to their hot seat I don't think um, who had the smallest was it Alex Kirsch early on we just got to the hot seat and someone took his time 
I think. Yeah, there were, I think there were almost three riders were bang, bang, bang. They, yeah. Sorry, almost three riders bang, but I think it was Alex Kerr who yeah. was in the hot seat and then br- briefly out. He just Seconds. sat down and was up. Uh, Seconds. Um, on the hot seat. He, he, he was gone. And was then Alex Kirsch and Liege Baston Liege that had that funny accident. I'm not sure. Where he, uh, it was a front garden accident where he ended up upside down in a hedge uh, with his legs sticking out vertically. I think it was. And, and, and the bemused onlookers I d- going, oh, we've got a professional bike rider in our hedge. I didn't watch that because I, w- I was live at the, bi- at the cycle show and I only saw the end. Oh, well, that, 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 that <laughs> explains that. So, Caruso set the best time, but we've got Almeida. We've got the big three, haven't we? Uh, but Almeida's doing an Almeida ride, which is, bloody good one. Which is better than everybody else, save for two, and clearly better as well. So he's just been all race. He's been in Almeida position. He's been the third best rider at the Giro. And there was nothing he could do to change that today. There was nothing Caruso could do to dislodge Almeida. Almeida set a time faster than Caruso quite significantly but he couldn't but he couldn't even get come close to he was always going to be losing time to the top two but what drama we had when the top two came to the line and even before that yeah well there's the 10.8 k's in first intermediate split well no after that there's a zone where the riders could change their t from the tt bike to their road bike and um geraint stopped well no Roglic went through really quick change back on his bike off we went and then uh, Geraint came through oh, oh yeah oh yeah, yeah talk about that big on okay because everybody saw it okay so in the, the in the few seconds before on the live coverage before Primoz uh, uh, went through the first checkpoint yeah. he came through um, uh, doing what they call puppy paws so he had his, his arms draped over the um, handlebars of his road bike. Yep. Not, no longer a time trial bike because he's affected the bike swap a kilometre further back down the road. And there's, but it's a, there's a flat approach to the beginning of the climb. So it, I guess it's of some benefit to get into that position. You looked at me, I looked at you, uh, because you know, we're conditioned now. It struck. We're conditioned, aren't we, to when we see that. It just looks wrong and it looks illegal. Totally. But, but from where I stand, I don't know. I haven't had time to look at the UCI regulations, which may quite specifically say that this is allowed on road bikes in time trials. But, you know, it's quite unusual to be using road bikes in time trials. It happens sometimes when you're a long way overseas or it happens at a lower level of racing. Yes. Um, so it could be that that's absolutely fine. And I'm working on the assumption that that is absolutely fine. But both of us went, ooh, is that... Is that an infringement? Of yeah, course? I think you're right. We, it was a, we, we mentioned it because it was plain for everything to see, and everybody else in the world would have seen it. And there'd have been, a, I would and imagine, I'm, quite a few people would have thought, "Oh, what, what's that?" But we're, we're, let's, well. And I'm, and I'm frankly uncomfortable even mentioning it now. One because I don't know the answer to the question I've just asked myself, and I should do. But listen, I've, I've just gone straight. It's a rare one, though, Nick. It's a really rare one. Highlights voiceover to a, you know an airport transfer to uh, trying to overtake the Bora Hansgrohe team bus. Um, hello, Nico Dent. Nearly said hello to him today. Yeah, Cesare Benedetti. Um, and Cesare Benedetti. And um, I, so I don't know the answer, and I should do. And also, I, I'm very conscious that even mentioning it. Just, just a point of interest, but even mentioning it sounds like weird sour grapes or something, which it literally isn't, no. uh, given what you know we know goes on to unfold in the individual time uh, trial. i tell you what, if it had been Almeida come around the corner or Geraint Thomas, I'd have thought exactly, exactly it's like, oh, what's he done? It, it was more, it was, it was just, ah, please don't have done that and it's illegal. And get, that's what it was more of the feeling of, not, oh, we're going to try and pick somebody out. But it was, it was an interesting point. And then 
just two minutes after that, when Garrett Thomas got to the point where he was going to change his bike, we just slowed the car. You might have heard um, the engine change and the frequency of the sound going into the pod. Patrick Conrad. Yeah, it's a Bora Hansgrohe team bus. It says Bora Hansgrohe, German professional cycling. Um, Le Col, yeah, Band of Brothers, Spinazze, uh, Odstal, Odstal, and a big S. Of course, they're sponsored by Specialized Bikes, but um, it's a big, it's a big bus, and we're sat in its slipstream right now. Next thing, (laughs) the 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 next thing was no, not so much Leonard Kemner. It was the helmet change and the and the cup of tea that Geraint Thomas had. Yeah, it was a casual approach to the bike change. Um, We saw Salvatore Puccio do it. Um, He's the only other. Rather, we saw do it, yeah. Um, but yeah, that he took off his aero helmet quite, quite, quite slowly, is, and then put on his non-aero helmet, his normal helmet, vented helmet, um, quite slowly, and fiddled around as we all do with the little claspy bit. And yeah. uh, but he's in the middle of a bike race to try and win the Giro d'Italia, so that took a, a few seconds. It was composed, but it was it was it was worrying us. But you know, it, obviously, it was a, a considered. What did I use the phrase? Speculate to accumulate. So lose a bit of time in order to gain a bit of time yeah, because he's comfortable on the climb, you know, not overheat. I think that was probably a legitimate thing to do, but it was a little bit casual at the time. Yeah. And off they go and onto the climb, and um, two very different approaches to to climbing this freakish freak show of a climb. Yeah, it was a freak show of a climb, ridiculous. And again, those of you who haven't seen it, just to put it into perspective, um, in 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 about eight k's of climbing vertical gain of a kilometer and a bit it's insane insane. Um, so the steepest part of the climb there was 4.9 kilometers which averaged 15 percent so just just uh, unprecedented really it's kind of angleroo kind of um, scale uh, yeah but onto the climb Roglic looks good, but is, is using the same bike, exactly the same bike as he rode yesterday, or the stage before, where he changed and he's got this single chainring on the front, a one-by drivetrain sponsored by SRAM. That's what it's actually called. They, they're the company that designed or just gave it that name, which means you've got multiple gears at the back still, super wide ratio, um, and a single chain at the front with a chain catcher to hold the chain on. Um, and he started revving, using this particularly high cadence low velocity style that's more akin to cross-country mountain biking because you, you they just spin a gear but they're moving very slowly but it's massively effective and Geraint was just riding like Geraint does wasn't he on a, on a steep climb uh, the only way he knows really but there was quite clear when you looked at that style it's so peculiar and has never been used in any other race that I'm aware of that, that Roglic you, you used the you coined the phrase all his chips on on the time trial and maybe the stage before to try something but it it clearly made the difference didn't it uh yeah or a part of it anyway the reason he just he could ride his own particular style that tackled that climb more efficiently yeah and with hindsight's genius i mean you know and it does it we've been talking about it sporadically throughout this pod series you know our growing belief that roglish has tailored something very special tactically at this giro and uh, knew, knew the terrain better than anyone else and you know, anticipated it months in advance has been working towards this particular outcome this set of tactics and he, he might have approached it with a, with a view to how do I beat Remco Evenepoel and by the way who knows what would have happened but I, I do think he would have beaten Remco Evenepoel on that fight I do think he would have done on, on the evidence of everything that we know about those two riders he found himself having to beat Geraint Thomas instead um, and for a while it was in the balance we got some we got some um, you know, like we've got three seconds, four seconds, maybe six seconds down, but with a small number of kilometres left, but still so much climbing that you're thinking, 
blimey, this is really... And then, apparently, we didn't see it on the screen, but I got an audio thing saying that at the second checkpoint, with 2.8 kilometres to go, um, Thomas had lost 16 seconds right, to Roglic. So, yeah. so now, there's only 10 seconds in it with 2.8, and, yep. and it, the momentum is all with Roglic. He's taken 16 seconds, and then he drops his chain. Yeah, and that I mean, the, the reaction of his teammates that were watching, Hessman, Sam Oman, Sepp Kuss and, and the others were sat on chairs watching the footage and there was a camera on those guys and it panned to them and they, they, they were, I mean, Hessman got up and walked away, Sam Oman almost pushed the camera away then thought better of it, Kuss just looked utterly bemused um, and it, we showed it in slow motion, basically there's a ridge in the road that he rode over whilst changing gear at the same time, so it's a if you hit a bump in the road whilst changing gear, there's a risk that the chain might be thrown off. And um, there's a little chain catcher on those, on those, on those one buys just to, keep, to reduce the, the risk of the chain on chipping. But on this occasion it did, it threw it was thrown off, but he stopped, managed to put the chain back on. His mechanic jumped off the motorbike to try and assist him and nearly came off in the process. And then once he got the chain on it, he couldn't actually get going because it was just too steep. It was one of the steepest sections. <laughs> just that tiny little bit, wasn't it? Yeah. A few metres, four or five metres of... I mean, borderline 15, 20% that he had to, the worst possible place to try and get on. Totally. So he must have, he must have lost upwards of 10, 15, like, I think 10 or 15 seconds. So basically that advantage he'd got was wiped out in one fell swoop. And you're thinking, it's happened to him again. He's got history at the Tour de France, obviously in 2020, but not just that. He's got history at the Dauphiné, he's got history at Paris-Nice, which he lost, he's lost once and damn near twice. Well, history in the capitulating in the Giro as well. Yeah, in slightly different circumstances, yeah. but you're right, um, yeah, in 2019. So things happened to Rogi. He slapped down in, um, in the Vuelta when he last went to, you know, things happened to him right at the last. Um, and I think we all thought, briefly, we all thought it's happened to him again and Thomas is going to win this. And it was kind of like you didn't, it was, in, it was, it was really hard to call actually. But then it didn't take long for me as a commentator to think, next time we see him, he's motoring again and he's roared on by this wall of red white and blue flags basically turning Italy into Slovenia so close to the border and you're thinking hang on he can still do this he can genuinely and then the more you see of Thomas the more you see he's looking laboured really laboured and so the outcome ultimately wasn't the surprise of the line yeah it wasn't I mean they were visibly I mean at that point I mean because of the three minute time gaps when once Roglic had, had, had finished and it was just okay and, and you'd worked out pretty quickly the time needed was what was it 45 40, 49 wasn't it that he needed and camera pans back to where he is and it's, and it, and it's still we've still got 400 metres of the climb to go through the crowd set 700-800 metres and then it's like a minute 30 and it's ticking away and it became quite clear that it was going to lose it by quite a lot and um, once he got to 300 metres to go he'd already, he'd already gone gone away from him still a strong enough performance from Thomas to finish second on the stage beating Almeida by, by a reasonable margin but 40 seconds in the end factoring in that unshipping of the chain which even conservative would say it cost him 10 seconds is a 50 second beating um, and yeah it was a, an emphatic victory in the end isn't it so I don't think it's a it meant a very close margin at the end but um, Roglic absolutely nailed it he deserved it and and the moments immediately afterwards when it became clear that Roglic had won, when he was congratulated by his teammates, Ned, I, I found it quite hard to react to the images because it was, they were so powerful, quite emotional. Um, and I know we're, we're British, but it, it was just the sporting moment where... It's irrelevant. Uh, it, yeah, relevant. It, it's not, and I, I just felt 
not upset because Geraint had lost. I felt upset because of the power of the emotion displayed by, by Roglic and his teammates. That was what it, I, was, I, I couldn't speak. Uh, yeah, genuinely, I, I totally, I totally get that. He's a, it's, it's a charismatic Grand Tour victory. That is, that is really, I love it. Uh, you know, it does bear, it bears comparison, and it's interesting, isn't it? It does bear comparison. Two different people at different stages of their career, but it bears good comparison with Pogacar's victory in 2020 at the Tour de France. That was strategized and planned, and it was a big gamble, and it was um, all or nothing on stage 20. And I thought it was genius. And, and not many Grand Tours are won like that, you know? They tend to be the model that, for better or worse, has been inherited from Lance, the Lance Armstrong years. You know, Armstrong didn't gamble like that. Armstrong, Armstrong used to win the Tour de France on stage four, effectively, and demoralise everyone. And by stage seven, it was done. Everyone else was looking at the podium places. Hit them, don't wait. And to be honest, the, and I'm not making a comparison in any other sense than this, but the Sky years, that was very much the model. It was bang, Froome, first man to top finish. Just kill him. Just, just dominate all week, dominate two weeks. Yeah. Take the jersey, hold it, and, and, and extinguish hope. Yeah? So I'm a big fan of Primoz Roglic's approach to this. Faced, and you know, again, I come back to the, the threat of Avonapool in this anomalous Giro d'Italia with 70-odd kilometres of time trialling. Faced with the particular conundrum, how do I beat this astonishing Belgian time trialist? I know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it completely differently. I'll lose weight. I'll concede time in the flats uh, individual time trials, but I've got this in the locker, and it's going to be brilliant and devastating, and and, and, and that's what he was. And, um, and I'll, I'll, finish, I'll, I'll essentially use mountain bike gears as well, on, and, and just do my, completely do just, my own thing. I'm going to throw convention, because that, that was, we know that the and back to the tech side, it's important because I can't remember anybody using equipment that's so extreme in, in, in a road race. It's basically, he was riding the, the lighter Cervelo road bike, so there's that, but all, all teams have got generally, or Ineos don't have a lighter road bike at their disposal, but stuck mountain bike gears on it basically, a mountain bike setup or a gravel bike setup for a road race, combined with all the other things that you've talked about, Ned, and it was um, a strategy that could have come undone, but it didn't, and, and, it, and it made for an, a thrilling, exciting race. And, I know there's been a, the race that the organisers have come in for a, a little bit of criticism about the, the brutality of this time trial. And is it really a proper, is it really fair? I mean, looking at what we saw and the joy it brought to, well, the misery for Garrett Thomas, for example. He got beaten fair and square. But what are your thoughts on, on the spectacle? We had great weather and incredible crowds. I mean, the images were, were, inc- were, were brilliant. They were fantastic. But what are your thoughts then about the, about the spectacle of, of, a, of a TT on a climb like that, do you, reckon? do you know what? I think I think I think it worked, think it worked yeah. Matt. I think it worked. I you know I think that there is something that you need to get used to in the sight of uh, these great champions riding at walking pace. It, yeah, it's uh, it's it's, yeah. it's strange, and it might it would have looked very different had it been wet. Uh, um, but I think on the evidence of what I saw, it's a legitimate test. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to see every Grand Tour end like no. that. Uh, it's not a you know, but I think as a, as a one-off, and maybe it'll be repeated. To, to I mean, it's a, an extreme version. It doesn't need to be that extreme, I don't think. But I think it worked. I'll be honest. And part of the spectacle is the the the, the, the mountain, the hilltop. It finished on ah, it's just sparkling weather and just the setting, and that matters. That yeah, matter. it, it, it was. We didn't go up as simple. Our friend Massey, I think I didn't. Don't think I finished that point. Sent some pictures and said it was ultra, just amazing, and it did look beautiful from the air as well. With the, with the 
the snow in the background and that that tiny little well, that the little cluster of, of buildings on the top of that hill there it was um, that's where King Primoz was was ultimately crowned and, and the I've never so I've never seen I've never seen such national fervor surrounding a I've never seen such national fervor surrounding a Grand Tour win ever and that includes when Nibali I was here when Nibali won in the the, the, the Giro in 2016 but the way the Slovenian fans roared him to success and they turned it red white and blue and because <laughs> we didn't at, at the very beginning when Thomas had crossed the line it took a while for us to get a camera on Roglic so instead they just showed you know like 20 seconds of fans celebrating like in a football match when a goal gets scored and I've not seen that before it was great it was great I thought it was a great day of racing I enjoyed it now we're on our way to the airport we've got about 8 minutes to go we probably concentrate on returning this hire car that we've lived loved and lived in and loved in we have well we kind of it's been a, like, a, a nice manly love isn't there really but I, I give it a clean out it's been yeah it's been a decent oh by the way it's a Ford um, I'm allowed to say that you aren't it's a Ford this car and we asked the question yesterday didn't we as to whether or not Ford Cortina is named after Cortina did you find that out Ned well Twitter user I don't know who it was thank you for telling us yeah it is yeah it's named after the, the games the winter games yeah. there we go and this is a Ford no, none of us know uh, but we're about to return it, so it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, yeah, and then in theory, at ten thirty at night, all the all the people wearing the same clothing as us get on to a, 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 a hopefully an aeroplane that is looks like our clothing. With yeah, we hope. Um, I kind of hope it's branded up actually with yeah. with some big Italian flags furry, and, furry and the furry the font on the side. I don't know how aerodynamic they'd be or how resilient it is against against rain, but I'd, I'd really I'd be quite happy um, for that. So yeah, we don't know what terminal we're taking off from because there's multiple terminals at this don't airport. Have a flight number. No flight number. No, no tickets. No tickets. Um, so we're going to drop the car off, and we've got our bags have been taken by the by the wonderful Davide, part of our team. He's driving to Rome or has driven to Rome today. I bet he might have arrived actually. It's eight o'clock now. Our flight's in two and a half hours. Um, but yeah, let's let's see how we go on. Uh, we, I think we're, we're going to be doing this airport visit on, primarily on feel. And then the one thing that we are anxious of to a degree is that we've got to get a higher car the other end and along with 50 other people before we can get to our hotel. So a lot on our plate. But we'll be fine, and we're going to grab some grub in the meantime as well. But we're nearly there now, uh, 7.8 k's to go. Yeah, and tomorrow, hopefully, when we wrap up our final pot of Matt, thank you very much for your, your immense oil. Well, thank you properly tomorrow. But uh, tomorrow we might have we might um, have just some final news uh, on that particular edition of the Tour of Britain. We will, we will, we will, because I've been... <laughs> oh, I used to keep a journal, a diary, and um, I, I messaged Holly, my wife, and she said, I said, can you... Can you, can you find that old uh, journal from uh, the, the t- 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 so she's found it sent me some notes back so and it's like oh, I've got a few I, I don't want to do it now because we've got a little bit on but like, yeah, there's definitely it, yeah it's good does it involve Yanto Yanto Barker Yanto Barker Pete Williams, de- Pete Williams Yanto Barker and and the mighty Paris-Roubaix winner Magnus Baxter Magnus Baxter and your friend and ours the famous well, give him the famous Matt Barbet substitution. That's good. That's good. That's one to look forward to.